Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you got Rommel yet? Morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time. That was a rough, rough week time. Rough week at Fort Rucker, and uh, more pertinently, a rough week for Tennessee basketball time. How do you bounce back from that time? Uh, not sure, but uh, you better because uh, the best team in the land right now is coming to your house time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from a quarantined Fort Rucker studio here on a uh, chilly, uh, but but not too chilly, uh, Monday uh, late, late afternoon, early evening. I guess we'll call it early evening here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee got uh, bamboozled a bit late uh, in the game Saturday against Mizzou, a game that that turned about every which way that the game can turn. It was like a, a month's worth of ups and downs or a season's worth of uh, ups and downs and ebbs and flows and highs and lows within one 40-minute game, and it was nuts, and I, I couldn't be there, obviously, uh, here in the quarantine, but but the the other person on this on this uh, podcast, Ben McKee, was there, and uh, he definitely will be there Wednesday night uh, at Thompson Bowling when Tennessee is back in action against number one Alabama. I'm not sure if I'll be there yet. That is up to the doctor, if I'm being honest with you. But uh, Ben, we have a lot to discuss about what a bonkers week that was for Tennessee basketball. I mean, it wasn't a good week, and and we all know that, obviously. But more than anything, man, it was just a weird week. It, it was a really weird week, and Tennessee has absolutely zero time to feel sorry for itself with, as you mentioned, the number one team in the country coming to Thompson Bowling Arena on Wednesday night in the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, it is a rivalry game. Don't get it twisted. Uh, that that football rivalry bleeds over into basketball. I, I think that for a separate conversation or a, a separate podcast, uh, I, I think it's kind of cool how, uh, you know, the last 10, 20, 30 years, all of history, really, uh, you, you think about rivalries first and foremost with SEC football, but now like outside of Vanderbilt and Missouri, the entire rest of the SEC is committed to trying to win in the three major sports, uh, football, men's basketball, and baseball. Uh, and, and honestly, there's a lot of softball investment and, and women's basketball investment as well. Um, but my point that I'm getting to is that those football rivalries, uh, in, in Tennessee's case, uh, Alabama, Florida, Kentucky obviously speaks for itself when, when it comes to basketball. But speaking about football bleeding into basketball, the the Georgias and and uh, so on and so forth. It's kind of cool to to see it bleed over in, into these other sports when Tennessee and Alabama play baseball, when Tennessee and Alabama play uh, men's or women's basketball. 
Alabama has a very good softball program. Obviously, Karen Weekly still has a, a good softball program as well. So seeing it in that sport as well, I, I think that's a cool aspect. And uh, you've got that aspect of Wednesday's of Wednesday night's game going on. Uh, but also Alabama is really freaking good. And and I think they're the best team in the country at the moment. And and there for a while, uh, Tennessee and Alabama looked like 1A, 1B in the SEC. And uh, of of late, these last couple of weeks, Alabama has uh, <laughs> risen to the top all, all by itself. It, it's separated from Tennessee. And, and part of that is Alabama. Yeah. And part of that is Tennessee not playing as well as it can. And uh, kind of trending in the direction of those tier two, tier three teams, the Arkansas, the A&Ms, the Auburns. Uh, so uh, it, it's a, a big opportunity for Tennessee. But as I was saying, no no time to feel bad for itself after the debacle that was last week. And and I know they beat Auburn, and, and that's great. You never apologize for a win over Bruce Pearl or uh, beating a, a good Auburn basketball program. But the last two weeks in general, when you consider – how the offense struggled against Auburn and, and you include the loss to Florida. The, the last two weeks have been miserable, quite frankly, and no time to feel bad for itself because you've got a really, really good Alabama team coming into town. You've, you've got to find a way to slow down Brandon Miller. You're probably going to have to do that. Uh, I, I shouldn't say probably uh, we'll see if Tennessee has to do that without Josiah Jordan James, without Julian Phillips, uh, I just got done watching basketball practice on a Monday afternoon. Uh, I thought Josiah was was moving around pretty well. Uh, Julian Phillips, not as much. Uh, Julian Phillips dealing with a hip flexor issue that he suffered during Friday's practice, uh, and, and he was able to to kind of rehab within 24 hours or so and at least start against Missouri. Uh, but that hip flexor flared up towards the end of the first half and he had to exit the game and Tennessee announced right as the second half was starting that he would not return to the game. Uh, and and they're managing that. Uh, Josiah obviously turned his ankle late in, in the game uh, over Vanderbilt. So um, he, he did not play against Missouri uh, on Saturday. Um and he, he again, he he was I, he wasn't necessarily a full participant, but as Rick Barnes told the media before practice uh, that they were going to kind of not necessarily put them through the ringer that they were going to they they were going to go careful with, with them. They, they were being cautious with them. That's the word that, that I'm looking for in, in hopes of allowing their bodies more time to heal. So we'll see if Tennessee has to slow down Brandon Miller uh, without two guys, those two guys. Those two guys are questionable. Uh, it's just a matter of if they feel good uh, kind of warming up bef- before the game. And then, look, Tennessee has to go to Kentucky on Saturday, and and that is going to be a challenge because this is a desperate Kentucky team that desperately needs to beat Tennessee to bolster its its resume. The only good win that ten- that Kentucky has is against Tennessee in Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. And if it wants to avoid missing the NCAA tournament, they've got to find a way to win on Saturday against Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee obviously wants to to get some revenge for that loss earlier in the year. But uh, simply put, going to Rupp isn't easy. Uh, Kentucky still has talent on that roster that that can kind of explode. Uh, and, and get you on, on any given night. And again, like I just said, they're a desperate basketball team. So uh, it, it's not going that well for Tennessee basketball at the moment, and they don't have any time to feel bad for themselves because they, they've got a big week ahead. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to spend, obviously, most of this podcast discussing 
what's going forward for this Tennessee basketball team. I, I do think it's important to talk about sort of where things are and how they got there before, you know, we because if you want to talk about where both teams are right now heading into this matchup, I think you have to talk about how things have gone for both of these teams. And and with Tennessee, what's interesting to me is is the past couple of weeks have been four games that if they were each put in a vacuum, they're not that big of a deal. Even if it's two of them put back to put back to back, not the end of the world. It's a long season. Things happen. What's interesting is and problematic for Tennessee is that it's it's four things. It's four of those games put together, and one of them was a win. So let's let's not take credit away uh, for, from them. There, it was a win over a ranked team at home. However, it was one of the most uh, offensively inept games that any of us have have ever seen. It doesn't hold a candle to Tennessee Georgetown about a decade ago, but but it was was an ugly game, and, and even within those four games. Florida, Tennessee led by six midway through the second half, I believe. Uh, Tennessee uh, against Vanderbilt, Memorial, weird things happened there. Still had the game won at the end and lost it. Uh, Mizzou, without Josiah Jordan-James for the full game, without Julian Phillips for half the game, down 17 in the second half. Tennessee came back and led by six points, and it took a truly weird, screwed-up situation uh, for that game to end the way it did. So I don't think things have suddenly just fallen off a cliff. Uh, things are not good, and, and and that needs to be – I think that's pretty clear to everybody, right? I don't think anybody doubts or has any any disbelief about things being in a bad spot at the moment. I do really think perspective is key, though. It, it, these are issues. I don't think this is a team that's gone in a tailspin and cannot possibly recover. I don't, I don't think that at all. Do I think it's possible, Ben, that, that this team – is not what some of us, myself included, said for a lot of the season it was. Absolutely. If you were taking bets right now, will this team right the ship? Will this team not right the ship? You'd probably get more action on this team not riding the ship. Let's call that what it is. I think that's fair to say. But I, I don't think any of us know that because the seasons ebb and they flow. And right now, Ben, things just not going Tennessee's way. It's just been a tough couple of weeks. No, it, it's not, and they can easily figure this thing out and uh, and and get it going in the right direction. They they have plenty of talent. They they have the experience. They they have the coaching. We all know what this basketball program has, and what they have makes it capable for them to get on track. Uh, and, and I do think people need to sit back uh, and take a minute to remember that Tennessee's season is not judged based off of what they do in early January. It's going to be judged, whether right or wrong, for, for what they do in the NCAA tournament, uh, especially with where this this program currently is with Rick Barnes. Expectations have changed. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about regular season success and, and showing well in the SEC tournament and, and getting into the NCAA tournament. Uh, th- this program is established and has the coaching and the talent and the players to go make a deep run in March. And, and that's kind of what people are looking at and, and expecting. And in my opinion, that's that's perfectly OK to expect. And uh, Tennessee has plenty of time to get what is going wrong worked out going into March. You You would much rather be going through these issues right now. 
than you would a month from now, which I don't know the exact date of the NCAA tournament beginning, but it's a, essentially a month away from today. You, you would rather be going through these kinks and trying to iron them out now rather than trying to figure out these things on the fly and, and hurry up and fix them in, in March. And to, to specifically talk about the Missouri game, I actually kind of walked away with a, a positive feeling from that basketball game. Not not saying that it was it was pretty, and it was certainly frustrating if you are a Tennessee fan, uh, because for the second game in a row, late game execution really hurt Tennessee. Yes, that's where I was and going it, next, so I'm glad you're going there. And and you know I f- I really feel for Santiago Vescovi, and it's really unfortunate because a couple of seconds earlier in the game, he he knocked down two big free throws. Uh, to to extend the lead in crunch time, he made free throws except for that one that he missed the the front end of of a one and one and and I don't get it he he's a really good free throw shooter he's made those in crunch time in the past I, I don't know if the amount of minutes uh, are starting to catch up to him uh, at the end of games I think that's a fair question especially when you look at how many minutes Zakai Ziegler has played this season and now all of a sudden uh, he. He is kind of struggling uh, as well. So I think it's fair to wonder if the minutes are, are starting to add up for those two guys. But uh, again, very frustrating because if if you knock down that first free throw, then at minimum, it's a three-point game and, and it's going to overtime. Uh, but then also, it, it's it's not just Santiago Vescovi. I mean, obviously, Tobe Owaka had the, the freshman mistake with the lane violation on, on free throw number two. And that, and and that, stopped, that, that, that stopped the clock, which was a killer. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was about to say. Is that 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 I mean, at worst, if, if Santi makes that free throw on the lane violation again, it's a at worst a, a three point game. Uh, going off of him missing the first one, it's a three point game. Most most they can do is tie it and, and go to overtime. But like you said, it, it stops the clock. It allows Missouri to inbound the basketball and kind of get a running start at the goal. Whereas if if Santi misses it. Even if Tennessee's only up by two, if Santi misses it, Missouri has to get the rebound. They have to find a ball handler. They have to get the ball going towards the other end of the floor. And then they have to jack up a, a shot there uh, and try to tie it or, or, or win the game there. So uh, there, there's a lot going on just because of two simple mistakes. That That's that's the frustrating part is that really Tennessee should have, should have had a, a 2-0 and week last week. But because of simple late game execution they got themselves beat and that's why people are so concerned about this team going into march because those types of mistakes get you sent home early in the ncaa tournament and that's what was so frustrating but to quickly touch on why i felt so positive was because the the offense came to life the offense came to life and and that was without josiah jordan james that was without julian phillips there in in the second half uh, you were trying to play with a, a makeshift lineup with Jemai Meshack and Tobey Awaka and uh, Olivier Kumwa uh, at times. Jonas Adu got in there uh, a couple of times. It was a funky lineup, but Tyreek Key coming to life and and being the aggressive player on offense that they need him to be sparked this offense. And if he can continue to play in that manner, then the defense is going to come back around. Like to me, la- the the defensive efforts last week, like you held Vanderbilt to sixty six points, yeah. and and they made tough shots too. Right, they they made tough shots. I mean, Liam Robbins, uh, an eighteen percent three point shooter, is banking shots in 
with a hand in his face. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not going to crucify the defense when when those are the types of shots going in. And again, I'm not saying the defense was perfect. It, it certainly was not. But you, you had a 27 percent three point shooter and an 18 point. 18% three-point shooter going off on you. And, and for the most part, I, I felt like there were there were hands in the faces of those shots, and, and they were just kind of frustrating makes. But again, you gave up 66 points. That should be enough to win. Uh, and then Missouri, Missouri was kind of the same way. Obviously, they scored 80-something points, but I felt like they made a ton of tough shots that, that were frustrating, uh, and, and you had a hand in their face, and there's not much more you can do but tip your hat if they're making tough, contested shots but even that aside like the defense is is going to come back around right uh it's the offense that really needs to catch up more to the defense than vice versa and if Tyreek Key can I'm look I'm not going to put bet bet the mortgage on Tennessee finding a a level of consistency at this point on offense but if if Tyreek Key can get going in that manner I certainly think that helps and because of that second half offensive performance and the way that they fought back. I mean, it, it would have been really easy to fold when they go down 17 early in the second half. But the the one thing you can never question about this program and, and this year's team is that they they claw and, and they scratch and they fight. And they did that. And they finally started knocking down some shots. And they were able to come back and the offense kind of exploded. So as as bad as you felt at times, that also on the flip side has to give you hope for what could be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'll tell you, Ben, what, what, what concerns me is, and it, it might be what concerns other people too. I, I, I don't know. That's for other people to say. But w- when I look at it, um, I, what concerns me, it, it's not really a stylistic thing. It's, it's not really, it, it's just in the past two weeks, look at all four of those games, right? Florida, you get up, you, you've had a kind of a rough night, and then you go up by six points. You got the crowd quiet. You got the opponent kind of bamboozled a little bit. Tennessee, a team of that caliber, should be putting that game away at that point. That should be a game that, with the momentum going that way, Tennessee, with the with the the, the quality, with the experience, that's a team that they should be putting that game away. They didn't, and then they got run away from late because they just couldn't contain Castleton. Other problems happened, but but that 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 was that game. Auburn, the one game that was a win the past couple of weeks, even that game. We can all sit here and honestly admit that Olivier Cumwell got a little bit fortunate at the end of the game because that was most likely, most likely a foul. Now, Tennessee got a bad break a couple seconds earlier when Vescovy got fouled and there was no call, and so that all came out in the wash. But still, at the end of the game, with the game on the line, you had a player on defense do the one thing that you absolutely can't do. He got away with it, but he did the one thing you can't do in that situation, and that's foul a three-point shooter. Uh, Then the next game, Vanderbilt, free throw misses. They happen. It happens. But at the end of that game, Tennessee's defense, and I think it was Vescovy, just completely got lost, gambled, made the wrong choice, left the shooter wide open in the corner, and that ended the game. And then against Mizzou, the combination of those three things that happened, an 80% free throw shooter missing a free throw, so that's like a 20% chance of happening, right? Then you have uh, a lane violation, which is probably less than a 1% chance of happening, and that happened. And then you had a shooter who, you know, basically that that's at best a 10% shot at the end of the game. At best, that's a 10% shot. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt 
and saying at best a running three-pointer from like whatever 30 plus feet away off one foot that like almost a runner on a dead sprint that's at best a 10% shot that goes in so all those things happen and Tennessee loses the game so some of it could be a bit of a Murphy's Law thing but when you look at the the theme of the past two weeks it has been crunch time situations gone horribly wrong and that to me when you have a culture like Tennessee has that shouldn't be happening right like Missouri and Vandy both made some shots that were tough shots well defended they made them give them credit that's happens that's basketball sometimes you miss free throws that's basketball but four games in a row and one game Tennessee got fortunate the other three just didn't get as fortunate those plays are the kind that if you want to make a run in the tournament, you're not going to blow everybody out, right? You're just not, I don't care who you are, you're not going to blow everybody out. What happens is you get in those games that are those crunch time games, one possession games, battle games, and you've got to make plays to win those games at the end. And this Tennessee team, with its experienced guards, I would have thought would be infinitely better in those situations than it's been the past couple weeks. And that, to me, you want to talk about the offense needing to be more consistent? I'm with you. You talk about the defense maybe occasionally not being as great as the numbers suggest. Okay, I'm with you there. But the biggest problem is that it comes down to game-winning and game-losing plays, and four games in a row, four games in a row in crunch time, Tennessee's made game-losing plays. Got away with it once. But that, to me, Ben... That is a concern because this time of year, you look at the schedule the next few weeks, then it's the postseason. You're going to play in a bunch of those games because I don't think this team is just going to sit there and get blown out. Maybe Bama does it if it gets hot, but I don't think a lot of teams – Tennessee's too good to just kind of sit there and take it. Even against Mizzou, down 17 without two starters, come back and take a six-point lead. Okay, this is a good basketball team. It's not a bad basketball team. But if you can't make those plays when it matters – then it doesn't matter how good you are, Ben, because a 30-point loss is the same as a one-point loss at the buzzer. It's still a loss. And you got to make plays that make that not happen, and this team's got to get its mojo back to do that. Yeah, and look, we're talking about the difference between good and great. The, yes. this, this Tennessee basketball team is is good, and they have the potential to be great, but – they also kind of are what they are mm-hmm. at, at this point in the season, w- which is really frustrating. And and the the late game execution, and and I won't even necessarily just classify it as late game execution. I, I think it's overall execution hasn't been probably what it should be this season, given how many veterans came back and, and even kind of your younger guys. Uh, and I guess I'm mainly speaking to Zakai Ziegler. Like, yeah, he's a true sophomore, but he has played a ton of basketball all, already. Like, he, he's already looked at as being – And him fouling out and him fouling out of the game the way he did, Ben, inexcusable. 90 feet from the basket. In that situation, knowing you have four fouls, you can't do that. Right, and, and especially when Rick Barnes says after the game that they've been talking to him for quite some time about not picking up those those type of fouls. Uh, and look, I, I love Zakai. He, he, if if I had to pick one, he probably my, my favorite player to watch on the team. Uh, and, and how could you not root for that kid, uh, given his story? But he he lately has been making some some dumbfounding turnovers, just 
silly turnovers. Uh, I go back to the Vanderbilt game and think of the two lobs that he threw to Olivier. And and, I mean, they're just plumb over his head. I mean, Olivier had no chance of of catching. I mean, it's just little things like that. And and it's not just Sakai. It's the other veterans as well. They just, they, they make mistakes that are unforced and they're freshman level mistakes that should not be happening given as much basketball as, as some of these players have, have played. And again, I, I classify it more as overall execution than late game execution um, because Tennessee's kind of been making some of those silly mistakes that it did at the end of the Vanderbilt game. And at the end of the Missouri game, they've been making some of those mistakes here and there all throughout the season. It's just that when it happens late in the first half, it's not as glaring of an issue. Or uh, if it's happening in a win over Texas, obviously nobody's going to talk about that or, or talk about those mistakes. So uh, it, it's it's very frustrating. Uh, and honestly, that that to me is the bigger concern with this basketball team going into March than the offense. It is the 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 lack of execution at times given how how many veterans are on this basketball team. I, I tweeted it in the middle of the game on Saturday. For a veteran team, they make some of the most atrocious turnovers at times. Commit the the most atrocious turnovers at times. I mean, it, it's truly baffling some of the th- of the things that they do. And and I'm not trying to come down hard on them because again, we're 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 discussing the difference between good and great. We're discussing the difference yeah. between getting out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament and not getting out of the first weekend. The, the difference between making an elite eight run and losing to Michigan in the second round of the tournament. And, and these are the things that they have to clean up and. Uh, it 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 really encompasses both sides of the basketball, and and that's why the simple execution, doing it consistently, is more of a concern for me than the offense. Because obviously, execution goes into the offense. The, the reason the offense has been inconsistent for a majority of the season is because of their failure to consistently execute the simple things and do it for 40 minutes and do it game to game. If they did that more often, I don't think the offense would struggle as much as it does at times. Yeah. And and the last point I'll make before break is we're slightly overdue for one is that I think when you look at those basketball reference numbers and they tell you that, that per the numbers that they use, Santiago Vescovi has been the best defensive player in, in college basketball and by those numbers. Now, is he that good? How do you judge those things? I, I I don't know. I can tell you that they have a formula, and that formula says that Vescovy's been not only the best defensive player in college basketball this season, but maybe the best defensive basketball guard of like this century in college basketball in the backcourt. So whatever that is, he's been good defensively. I'm, that's, that's my point. He's been really good by any metric. He's been really, really good defensively. However, what's interesting to me is that he still, in the first two to three minutes of so many games, picks up some of the dumbest, cheapest fouls I've ever seen. And for a player who cannot get into foul trouble for Tennessee, if he won't stop doing that, I swear I'd start bringing him off the bench after two or three minutes. Because he is so important to this team. And he has to, when he gets in foul trouble, when he and Ziegler get in foul trouble, it, it it changes the complexion of second halves of games. It just does, and it makes things tough. 
Tennessee had to put B.J. Edwards out there because Ziegler picked up a couple fouls again in that game. And they pick up fouls that, like, I'm not talking about these are like a guy gets by you so you can test a shot at the rim or foul somebody to avoid giving up a cheapie. That's fine. Aggressive basketball happens. You make mistakes. But some of just the dumbest, pointless, reaching, grabbing fouls that just do not need to happen, and they keep happening. And I I don't know why. It's like somebody has not told these guys or these guys don't understand. You get five of them. In the NBA, you get six. In college, you get five. That's all you get. If you get that, you're done playing for the game. You can't help your team whatsoever because you're on the bench. And that, that, to me, gets down to a that's another little execution thing that I think needs to be emphasized is not picking up those stupid, pointless early game fouls that people, I mean, I, and people mention, like, they'll, they'll reply to me when I say something like, why are you talking about this? Like, why? Because it matters. At the end of the game, it matters. And they keep doing these little things that they're not winning habits. And if you want to win, you got to have winning habits. And these this is a good team that could still be a great team, but you got to do those things. And to me, Ben, those are just the things that are not happening, and they're on their way toward preventing this good team from becoming a great team. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it is the little things that matter the most in March. I I, I think we're just – that's the, the simplest way to put it, uh, making free throws at, at the end of the game, not committing a, a lane violation, uh, not committing silly turnovers. Uh, it, it's all of the little things coming together. It's communicating. It's making crisp passes. And, and and like so many times this year, they've turned the basketball over coming out of timeouts. And, and like that should yeah. never, ever happen for any team, much less a, a veteran team. Like and, that, and, and, and Barnes has taken full responsibility for that many times, saying he's got to get the team better out of timeouts, and he's working on that. He has. For people who say he doesn't say that, he's said that multiple times this season. Yes, he, he, he has, but – it's also been stupid stuff at times, like just bad passes, like just nonchalant passes and, and not paying attention to to where the defender is. I mean, things that it, it doesn't matter if it's Greg Popovich coaching or uh, Adolf Rupp or Coach K, like they, nobody can fix some of the passes that the, the players make at, at times. And, and obviously everybody plays a, a small piece uh, in, in terms of the blame for stuff, coaches, sure, players, sure. so on and 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 so forth but you're right they 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 need to stop fouling now I I do think part of it is a little give and take they're so good defensively because of the mindset and physical nothing's easy hacking everything everything's hard yeah yeah like that that's part of it and the the negative aspect of that at times can be some of the, the the silly fouls that come with it like how many times over the last I, I can I think back to the Texas game when Zakai Ziegler risks it to, to to go pick up a steal and deflects the basketball into the backcourt and chases it down and slides and 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 lets out a big roar and, and that really fired up the team. I mean, a centimeter left to right, and it could have been a foul call, and it could have been the difference in him sitting on the the bench for the rest of the half or or being in foul trouble. Yeah. So. I, I agree with you, but I also do think that some of it is 
by nature of the, this particular team's identity, being physical, being aggressive, be, being uh, being in attack mode at, at all times. But, I mean, kind of going off the, the Super Bowl on Sunday night or relating it to, to baseball, like you, you have to kind of figure out how a referee is going to ref that particular game. For, for baseball, you, you got to figure out what the, the strike zone is going to be over the first couple of innings. In, in football last night, what was so frustrating is in the Super Bowl is, is that they let all those ticky-tacky touch yeah. fouls and penalties, holdings, they, they let all those go for, for three and a half quarters, for practically all four quarters. And then at the very end, they finally call a, a, a ticky-tack holding penalty did he hold him yeah but you had let it go let it go for the previous three and a half four quarters and that's what made it so frustrating so obviously there, there's that in basketball as well you're going to have different crews you're going to have crews that allow you to be more aggressive you're going to have other crews that that aren't going to allow you to be as physical and, and as aggressive so some of it i mentioned it earlier rick mentioned in the post game and he said it before uh, in, in other press conferences that they they have spoken to not just Sakai but kind of the team as a whole about not picking up those those silly fouls uh that that get you in foul trouble but i i do also believe that it's kind of part of the 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 style in which they're playing with this season and not just this season the the Rick Barnes kind of culture uh but you you also do have to recognize how a game is is being refereed as as well. Yeah, that that was my only point is that you you see so many times guys will will pick up those really dumb fouls 30 35 feet from the bucket within the first 2 or 3 minutes of a game and they just kind of nonchalantly act like it's no big deal. Well, if you pick up one more, you with Rick Barnes philosophy, most of the time you're going to be on the bench the rest of the half. The next time you pick up one. And and it, it it's like uh, make your fouls count. Like make don't ever have a pointless foul. There, there's no, there should be no such thing as a pointless, irrelevant foul. If you're gonna make one, then it ought to be to to prevent a bucket. Because there's there's two things that bother me. One is those early game fouls that aren't a big deal, and the other one is when you foul somebody who's a shooter, but you don't make sure to foul them enough where they're not gonna make the bucket. Like those little ticky tack kind of bumps and everything when guys are going to the rim, and then that's a three point play. When it's like if you're gonna get whistled for the foul, man, grab him and throw him down. Basically, you know, do everything short of getting a technical or a flagrant. Make sure the bucket doesn't go in. It's just little things like that that I don't know. They, they know more about well, basketball then, than I do, but well, I, I just think little things like that are starting to add up. And when you go through those ruts in a season like Tennessee is right now, where nothing seems to be going the right way, you're paying the piper for all of those little things that you've not been doing right. And all of a sudden, they they didn't matter before. Well, they damn sure matter now because they're they're. They're deciding wins and losses. Yes, the it, it is the difference in Tennessee being one in three the last two weeks and three and one the <laughs> the last or or four and zero. Oh, I guess it would be if if Tennessee beats Florida uh, because remember Tennessee came back and was leading by six yep. or, or so and just in that and, basketball and, game and, and should have put the team away there and didn't do it because it did not execute the simple things. Uh, they did execute. The, the simple things for the most part against Auburn and were able to to win in a close game that came down to the buzzer. Got a little fortunate, though. You did, absolutely. But for, for the most part, you, you executed uh, the, the way that you should. And, and, like, in the Auburn game, they couldn't inbound the basketball. And then you, you fast forward to Wednesday night against Vanderbilt, and 
because they were not already in the double bonus, they had to inbound the basketball four, five, six times, and they inbounded it flawlessly every single time. And then <laughs> and then turned down a dunk that would have put the game probably out of reach just because, yes. again, it was another little thing that's just not – it, it's it's just it's little things, man. We got we got to talk yeah. about Bama. I think. Are well, you, I want I wanted okay, to add one one more thought on on the the late game fouls. Like you got to realize against on, on Saturday night, you you don't have Josiah Jordan James. Julian Phillips is is unavailable. Not that he would necessarily be a primary ball handler, but not not only are you fouling yourself out if if you're Zakai, and, and I'm highlighting this more. To, to highlight the, the team not executing and, and how it's just always something, it seems like. But with Zakai, like, yeah, okay, Zakai Ziegler fouled out. That's a big, big deal in any game. But it it's even heightened uh, against Missouri because Josiah Jordan-James is not available and Julian Phillips is not playing. And I, I like, us media members were sitting around looking at each other like, who are they going to put in? Are, are they about to have to put in B.J. Edwards yeah. <laughs> with two minutes in, in the game? And, and they elected to bring back a, a Olivier back into the game, which is what I would have done. But Zakai picking up that fifth foul, again, obviously you don't want Zakai Ziegler to foul out of a game. But in that particular game, it also put the coaching staff in a bind to where they almost had to put B.J. Edwards in the game and crunch time trying to beat a, a good Missouri basketball team. So it, it's just all those little things. It, it just – you you see them executing at times late in the game, like you saw at Vanderbilt when they were inbounding the basketball, and then they miss a free throw. Then they leave their their guy op- wide open in in the corner against Missouri. Santi made two big free throws prior to the one he yeah, missed, he did. and then he turned around and, and missed another one. Just the the lack of consistency continues to to be what is so frustrating about this basketball team. It is, and you know what? That stuff's got to change quickly because maybe Alabama doesn't come in here and, and play as well as it has been, uh, but, but you have to assume that that's probably going to happen because Alabama's been playing really good basketball pretty much all season, mo- most of the way, and uh, is playing really, really well right now and is a problem, and we need to talk about that problem uh, for Tennessee and what can be done about it because, again, Tennessee still a good basketball team on, on its own. So lots more to discuss there, but before we do that, we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, et cetera, and then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house there on a different side of town. Uh, we are right now, or I am anyways, at Fort Rucker Studio, two miles away, 1.9 miles away actually, from Thompson Bowl Arena where Tennessee will host top-ranked Alabama on Wednesday night, a big, big game for the uh, suddenly struggling Vols. we got a lot more to discuss about that game specifically here in just a second. But before we do that, just a quick reminder or quick request from our end, if you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say 60 seconds, 75 seconds, 90 seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate it. If you're just listening on the website there at GoVols247.com, no problem with that. We still love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there and uh, and and rate, review, and subscribe, whether you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, in, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this Cobalt 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. But since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell people you see around town. Uh, tell people that can go around town right now because some of us right here are stuck at home and cannot do that. So go tell people that you see. You see somebody wearing orange, be like, hey, man, you're you're a Tennessee fan. Why don't you listen to this Go Vols 24-7 podcast? If you're doing all that already, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. Alabama, top-ranked Alabama, comes to Knoxville on Wednesday night. A big, big game uh, for Tennessee against a team that uh, is currently ranked number one, has been clearly, I think, one of the better teams in the country all season. Um, You know, Nate Oates has done just a fantastic job down there. Uh, He's got a Tennessee native, Brandon Miller, who, who was a Bama legacy, so was probably always going to go to Bama no matter what, but still a uh, Tennessee native down there, freshman, one, one of the, the the better freshmen that college basketball has had in a few years, just an unbelievable player. He's going to be a great pro, uh, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's going to be a problem. Bama's also got old guards. It's, it's got a lot of length and rim protection uh, in the post. Uh, it, it's not – it's interesting because defensively, Bama is usually really good, sometimes not good, but usually very, 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 very good. Uh, a, a Darn near a complete basketball team in a year where there's just not a lot of complete-looking college basketball teams, uh, maybe only two that are close, Purdue and Alabama. And uh, one of them, Alabama, is coming to town on Wednesday. Ben, it's a, it's a big challenge for Tennessee. However, it's also a big opportunity. It is, and my sarcastic thought is that given how stupid the last two weeks have been, somehow Tennessee will find a way to to beat Alabama because that's how how sports go. Uh, spoiler alert: When I publish our staff predictions on Tuesday night or, or Wednesday morning, I will be picking Alabama to win this basketball game. But again, because sports are dumb, uh, I'm sure Tennessee will find a, a way to to win this game because we are all. Uh, least expecting them to, given how the the last two weeks have been. But uh, Tennessee certainly has a chance to to win this basketball game. There, there's absolutely 
uh, no doubt about it. And again, kind of going back to to the NCAA tournament talk, that that's what makes this team so frustrating is is because we know how good they can be. So uh, although the last two weeks have have been silly and it, it kind of seems improbable for for Tennessee to turn around and and beat the hottest team in the country and, and what I think is the best team uh, in, in the country. Uh, they they have a chance, and it would not be all that surprising if if Tennessee uh, is able to pull out the win. It, it's going to come down to to how much they can slow down Brandon Miller. And uh, th- there there have been at times this season. You go back and you look at their loss to Oklahoma. Uh, they beat Mississippi State by three at home. Kind of the the end of January. Uh, they they did blow out Vanderbilt. They did blow out Missouri, but. And that when they went to Vanderbilt prior to blowing them out by like 50, uh, they, they kind of had to pull away late in the second half. So they're late in January, mid-January. It, it kind of seemed not completely Brandon Miller or bust, but when they did struggle, it was it was Brandon Miller needing more help. Uh, in the first half at Arkansas, he, he takes one shot and ten, or not Tennessee, but uh, Alabama w- was struggling and it was close at halftime because he only took one shot because of what Arkansas was able to do under Musselman there. And, and then he comes out and, and has a big second half and, and Alabama runs away with it. So I, I think that this game is, is on top of it being challenging because Alabama is good and Tennessee is scuffling of late. You, you might have to try and slow down Brandon Miller, the national freshman of the year, without Josiah Jordan James, without Julian Phillips. Uh, and again, it's it's not going to come down to one guy, but it, it has to be a team effort. But Josiah Jordan James is is a critical piece to Tennessee's defense, and uh, I am optimistic uh, about him playing on, on Wednesday. I, I thought he was moving around fairly well during practice uh, on Monday, uh, and and there's still plenty of time, but before Wednesday night's game, and I'm sure he'll get plenty of treatment and and rehab, but. Uh, he, he was moving around. I, I didn't see him run at like full speed or, or anything of, of that nature, but just walking around kind of dribbling on the other end of the floor and, and getting his shots in. Uh, he, he looked like somebody that, that is going to be capable of, of playing on, on Wednesday night. So we'll, we'll just have to see how uh, that left ankle feels on, on game day. And, and prior to tip off during warmups, that, that will be the determining factor. Um, but even if Josiah can't go, Jemai Meshack, he, he's got to step up. Uh, and and as I said a moment ago, it's not just Jemai Meshek that needs to step up. It, it has to be a group effort. It, it has to be everybody making everything that Brandon Miller gets difficult to get. That That's how you slow down these types of, of players. Because uh, Rick Barnes said this on, on Monday's media availability, and, and I agreed with him. There, there's not really any stopping and completely shutting out. A guy like Brandon Miller, it's a matter of trying to slow him down as, as much as possible and make life on him as tough as possible. So Tennessee is going to have to do that. But uh, again, speaking to the potential of, of Tennessee pulling off this upset, it, it's very capable because it's a home game as well. And Tennessee announced that they're going to check her Thompson Bowling Arena. That obviously will not dictate the, the outcome of the game. But what will dictate the outcome of the game uh, is the environment that can certainly help. Dennis Gates, the Missouri coach, said after Saturday's game that there in the second half, Tennessee wasn't really doing anything differently to help them come back. Uh, It's that they made a couple of plays. The crowd got into it and Missouri was kind of flustered and the crowd impacted Missouri and, and their ability to execute. 
the the fans are going to have to have that same type of impact on Wednesday night in order to help Tennessee win the game. The, the fans are not going to dictate the outcome, but they can certainly help Tennessee pull off this upset. Uh, and they're going to have to play a, a massive role on top of continuing to see what you did see in the positive last week. I, I thought it was a real positive that Tennessee's role players, Wes, th- this was my main takeaway from the Vanderbilt game. The role players played really well. Uh, Tyreek Key played really well against Vanderbilt. Tobey Awaka played well. Julian Phillips played well uh, outside of him <laughs> dunking the basketball there, there at the end of the game. But he had 10 points, four rebounds, was, was four or five. Your role players played really well, and, and that kind of continued to carry over into the Missouri game as well. Obviously, Tyreek Key went off, uh, but Tobey played well. Uh, and and you're going to have to continue to get those types of of outings from from your role players. And obviously, Santi will need to step up. Zakai will need to step up and and maybe play a little cleaner basketball moving forward. But it seems like Tennessee has found something with with Tyreek Key offensively, and that has really sparked the offense. At, at least it did in in the second half of the Missouri game. I I, I should say. They, they've got to continue to feed him and continue to preach to him that he needs to be aggressive and to shoot the rock because he has as pretty of a shot in the SEC as as you're going to find. He, he He's a really, really good shooter, and they need more of that if they're going to if they're gonna beat Alabama on Wednesday night because it's not just Brandon Miller, Wes. They, they have a lot. They have Clowney, multiple Clowney's guys. a stud. I mean, Quinterly, you Devon just go down Quinterly, the list. They got a bunch of Mar- them. Mark Sears uh, against Auburn, yeah. uh, the the transfer from Ohio. He he's a short guard, six yeah. one transfer from Ohio. He he came in and he gave Auburn buckets on, on Saturday at Auburn too on, on the road. So it's just not Brandon Miller. I, I, Javon Quinterly feels like he's been there forever. The former Villanova transfer, uh, Sears lit up Auburn. Jaden Bradley, a, another freshman that is very, very talented. You mentioned Noah Clowney. The other freshman, uh, Ryland Griffin, yet another freshman, has played well uh, of late. And, and they kind of have some veterans that people f- forget about. Noah Gurley, uh, a senior. Uh, Namari Burnett is a former McDonald's All-American who started out uh, with Chris Beard at Texas Tech and then yeah. transferred to Alabama prior to last season towards ACL, so he didn't miss last season. But now he's kind of getting back into the fold of things, and, and he knocked down some big shots against Auburn. I haven't even mentioned Charles Bediaco, the yeah, seven-foot sophomore center, yep. who was also a big-time prospect coming out of high school. They they just have a bunch of dudes on, on their roster, and uh, Tennessee's going to have to put together a, a complete group effort uh, along with an assist from the fans uh, to pull off an upset that they are more than capable of of doing uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I think, and and this is where I think I, I I do trust Tennessee staff a good bit. And by staff, I don't just mean Rick Barnes. I I mean like the uh, the Garrett Maidenwalds and the Chad Newmans of the world. I, I don't think, and they know this too. You really want Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips to play in this game. But what you absolutely need to have is them both as healthy as they can be in March. And so. If they're ready to go play, and if they're not at a significant risk of hurting themselves even worse, sure, go ahead and play them. But I think you have to keep the big picture in mind, even though you're you're struggling right now, even though this is a big game, even though it's Alabama number one in the country, it's a chance to get things back on track in a big way. You still have to treat this like a business and think about the end of the season. You know, you need those guys to be the healthiest they can be at that point. And I do trust them to to make that 
make that correct decision. But in, in terms of the just the, the, the game itself, um, you do need the crowd to, to, to be into it. Although I will say Alabama on Saturday was set up to be the classic Bruce Pearl trap game in that, you know, Auburn had been struggling a little bit, college game days in town, big bad Alabama's in town, a big rivalry. Aren't those the games that like Bruce Pearl teams like always win? Those are just the games that Bruce Pearl teams always win. Everything was set up for that to be a game where Auburn kind of circles the wagons and, and Pearl gets some stuff drawn up and they hit a bunch of crazy stuff and they win the game. Uh, and Alabama very maturely went into a very difficult place to play basketball. Auburn's arena, it, it's newer, obviously. It's not it's not big. It's it's kind of sterile and plain looking, but but it's a really tough place to play basketball. It's been a really it's smaller, so all the noise stays on top of you. And it, it's a really hard place for opponents to go play, especially for a big game. And Alabama very maturely handled that crowd and looked unfazed and then just kind of pulled away in the last few minutes, right? Just looked really mature, really impressive. So a crowd at Thompson Bowling is not going to like make Alabama, you know, soil its its pantaloons. That's not gonna happen. But what you can do is affect them. And you what you can do even more importantly is give your own team juice. Because right now, those players, any juice they can get is good juice. They need it. They need it right now. And I'll be interested to see, you know, I think of Alabama in some ways, it's like facing Missouri's offense, but with a really good defense on the other side. Because Mizzou does that stuff where, like, they play fast, they hit a bunch of threes, they do a bunch of, you know, open stuff, but they don't have a lot of good rim protectors. They're kind of small. They don't have a great defense. That's just how their games go. Alabama plays offense at or better than that level, but Alabama also has one of the nation's best defenses. So if Bama gets up on you, it's not like Missouri getting up on you where if you play right, you have a chance to kind of work your way back. Bama gets up on you, it's tough. It's really tough. So I'll be interested to see if Bama gets out and starts out hot, does the crowd, how much piss and vinegar does it still have, right? Like how much juice does the team have, does the crowd have? Because you're going to have to bring it against this bunch. Yeah, and look, TBA is going to be fired up. There, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, again, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, it, it doesn't matter if if Tennessee and Alabama is is playing Quidditch. Tennessee fans want to beat the you know what out of Alabama. So uh, there, there is going to be a lot of piss and vinegar inside of Thompson Bowling on, on Wednesday night. Uh, it, it'll be up to the team to match that intensity and to continue to to give the fans something to, to latch on. It it can't be like the Kentucky game where you jump out to a, to an 8-0 lead and and TBA is is rocking pretty good at the beginning of that game and then the offense just forgets how to to make shots. Uh and, and there are some that that tell you that the crowd needs to be up no no matter what, no matter how the, the the team is playing and, and this and that, but that that's not how it works. That that's unrelistic. Like if if the team is struggling, it's, it, it, it's, it makes it's it, it's reciprocal, right? It's kind of like correct. a relationship. You know, both sides got to bring something to the table. Correct. Like if if they're just clinking shots off the rim and off the backboard for for twenty twenty five minutes, and Alabama's up by ten, like it is it, going to be hard to to get into. And even in the Kentucky game, when Kentucky would come down on offense and, and Tennessee needed a, a defensive stop. Like, although the offense was struggling, the, the crowd was still trying to get loud and, and pumped up and give the team a boost, a, a come on, let's go. And 
when, when they were on defense to, to help get a stop. So the arena is going to be sold out. The, the, there's going to be a lot of hate in the building because Tennessee fans naturally hate Alabama. Uh, so I, I that that will be uh, to me that's a non factor in terms of whether or not uh, it, it'll happen because that will be there. It'll be up to Tennessee, the players, the team to, to kind of match the energy. And look, I, I although I, I say it's on the team to, to match the energy of the fans, the 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 arena hasn't been the same this season as it has been the, the last couple of years. So exactly uh, the and this is a different conversation that I don't want to get into, but the, the the reaction to to this program is is just disappointing uh, at, at times and uh, a little overboard at times and uh, I think the players are, are very aware of that and are frustrated rightfully so at that at times so uh, it, it's not all on the team as maybe I accidentally portrayed that to be a, a, a moment ago that the fans are going to have to match the energy but in this one there, there's no question that the fans are, are going to match the energy number one team in the country and it's Alabama they're, they're going to be ready to go and yeah and but I, you can't you can't be you can't be a glass jaw though I mean you can't you can't take one punch and then if you're a player or a fan you can't just take one punch and go right. down right like we talk about it being a relationship Ben and it is because both sides got to bring something but also you know this you're a married man Sometimes even if it's if there's something that like normally your wife like she does this certain thing right like she she's normally the person who like cooks dinner or does the dishes or whatever and like she's having a bad day and you know your your, your kids going crazy and she had a bad day at work and you're like you know what I'm, I I I know you usually do this I'm I'm gonna I got, I got the dishes tonight you just go you know you just go take care of you and go get in bed and and go relax and that, that it's the same thing with with a fan base and with a team sometimes one side's not bringing it the way they need to and the other side's got to help because you know it's not just like everybody's 100% in all the time right you got to be it's give and take and sometimes when your team uh, and this is what really good fan bases do um you, you know when a team gets behind a little bit the crowd pumps up the noise even more because they know they need it right and it, it's going to be there Wednesday night for sure it's going to come down to to how Tennessee performs on the court, obviously, as it does in in every single game, and it's going to come down to 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 preventing Brandon Miller from having one of those all time nights, and not even all time nights, but having one of those nights that kind of makes Twitter go crazy to, to where the national analysts are, are tweeting, "Oh, Brandon Miller, this, Brandon Miller, that." They, they can't allow him to have that type of of night. It, it needs to to feel like an underwhelming night for Brandon Miller because they're not going to completely shut him down. He, he's too good of a player for that to happen. He he is an elite player that you hope to, to make life tough on that, that you hope to contain, but Tennessee also can't be just dead set on, on stopping him. And because this Alabama team is so good that if, if you triple team him, then somebody else is going to be open. Yep. And those other players that are open, they're really, really good too. Uh future pro players, uh, current pro prospects. So uh, it, it's one through five on the court for, for 40 minutes locking in, and you, you can't have the the long offensive droughts that that have been happening. Uh, everybody thinks about this, this Alabama offense first and foremost, and, and rightfully so. It's really, really good. But the offense, according to Ken Palm, is 13th in effective of offensive efficiency, and the defense is fifth. Yep. Uh, the defense – according to the metrics is is better than the offense. That's so, a tough don't use the word metrics right now right now as as someone who covers Tennessee Ben you got to be careful with that word. 
well, you just can't go 100% all in on, on the metrics as, <laughs> as somebody on this podcast uh, did a, a couple of weeks ago. The, the, the are, analytics, I, I think you are, what the metrics, say, you are what numbers say you are. Uh, not always. There, there is an eye test, and there are, there are variables that numbers can't account for, uh, such as uh, the, the front half of the SEC schedule not being as tough as, as the back half. But schedule strength and, is factored into those things. Yes, but as I tried to tell you a couple of weeks ago, Tennessee wasn't ranked as high as it typically is in in strength of schedule. It, it was outside the top fifty at, at one point. I don't know uh, what it is now. Uh, it's currently fifty fourth in overall strength of schedule, which is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not trying to say Tennessee has played a soft schedule, but it hasn't necessarily been. It's about what to go it has up. Been. It's about to go up. Yes. Why, if I'm not mistaken, that takes into the entire schedule, not just what has been played to this point. So it, it should stay the same. Uh, it it fluctuates based on what the opponents do. Uh, so if I, I saw earlier, I was kind of looking around uh, one of Tennessee's earlier uh, opponents in in the season. I think it was oh, it's Colorado. They they play uh, like UCLA this week or something. If Colorado beats UCLA then obviously the Tennessee strength of schedule is going to to go up. But uh, analytics are good. At, metrics are great. I, I uh, use Kim Palm. I use Bart Torvik. I, I use uh, I use it all to, to help with with my writing and, and to kind of do some research and, and look things up. It is a great tool. Uh, Ken Palm is uh, or correct more than he is wrong. Uh, he, he is he is right way more than he is wrong uh, his, his formula pretty consistently tells you who the best teams in the country are correct a- absolutely uh and like i i always tweet out kind of what ken palm projects the score to be and and again he's right his formula is right far more often than than he is wrong he is right a majority of, of the time that's why the NCAA consults him on things. That's why teams, all teams, all throughout the country consult him on, on, on different things. But to prove that numbers are not always right, he's predicted a, a win for Tennessee in each of the last four games, and Tennessee has one win in each of the last four games. Ten- he, he currently predicts Tennessee to beat Alabama on Wednesday night. He, he thinks by his numbers, his formula, Tennessee wins 71 to 69. Well, well the, yeah, the problem with the formula is 7% chance. And I think you're mentioning this too, Ben. The problem with some of those numbers is when they give you those projections, they're for what a team has been the whole season. They're not necessarily projecting what a team is right now or what kind of form right. a team is in right now. And and I've always said this to, to fans. I, I, I think it, this sort of get it's a bit of a, I don't know if misnomer is the, the correct word. But um, and I, Ben even jokes all the time that that I sit here and tell people how they should feel. I I, I don't think how everyone should feel exactly how they want to feel about any given situation. I'm not saying that uh, as a fan, sometimes it's not the right thing to do to kind of get some anxiety and kind of even boo when things are going bad and some of these sort of things that that you will hear. All I'm telling you is I'm not telling you how to how to act. I'm telling you what the reactions of different actions are going to be as someone who's covered teams for 20 years and knows how these guys usually react when they hear and feel certain things. Like when they don't feel love, man, sometimes it helps them, but more often than not, it doesn't. And and I think if you want a team to get through and break through and see the other side of it, I don't care what you do. You can do whatever you want. It's totally up to you. And that's, you know, I'm not going to yuck your yum or do whatever, but I, I do think that, 
some of the negativity I think for Tennessee in the past in several sports has been problematic. And I think it's something that everybody does it a little bit, but I don't cover everybody. I cover Tennessee. So what I'm telling you is I know how it affects these players and bothers them. And it's not a, it's not a, not a good taste, not something they like. No, but I'm, I'm not getting into that conversation. We, we've had that no, conversation. But I, I'm just, I'm just touching on it because I think sometimes we say, and you, we, we say what we think and we write what we think um, and sometimes those words can be twisted a little bit, or maybe sometimes we don't say them or, or write them exactly how we think because we just don't use the right words. That's my only point is that sometimes when a, you know, when, when, when something you care about is struggling, you got to help it. You're, you're not by, by, by punching on top of it, you're probably not helping. For sure. Uh, but within this basketball game, Tennessee certainly has a, a great chance of of winning again I said it earlier <laughs> not gonna pick Tennessee but but also not going to be surprised if if Tennessee is able to win because uh, they do have the pieces to do so just gonna have to contain Brandon Miller uh, as much as they can uh, Mark Sears the the guard earlier from Ohio that I was speaking to uh, Auburn was so locked in on, on Brandon Miller that that Sears uh, yeah. went off there and and really beat them in the second half so they're gonna have to account for everybody and uh I mean, it just comes down to execution. If if Tennessee executes and, and plays to its potential, then Tennessee has as good of a chance of, of winning this basketball game as Alabama does uh, because Alabama probably has better overall personnel from top to bottom, but th- there's not a drastic difference whatsoever. Um, Tennessee is, is more than capable of winning this basketball game. It's just going to come down to execution – uh, and really executing when it matters most. That that has been this team's bugaboo. Uh, but it, if it can if it can do those simple things, then it, it will not surprise me whatsoever uh, if if Tennessee wins his basketball game because I, I do believe the the home court advantage is going to be a, a real thing. I, I think that is is really going to to help Tennessee. Now I do think that you could also make the case against my opinion on that in terms of it bothering Alabama uh, because Alabama did just go play at Auburn and there's more hate in that building for Alabama than there is in Knoxville or it's equal. Yeah. I, I'd probably more, more fair for me to say that it's equal hate inside the building. And, and I know Thompson bowling arena is bigger, fits more people, more people, more noises, louder noises, but Auburn Arena, even though it's small, those students are right on top of you. It gets very, very loud in there. So they just walked into a hostile environment and didn't flinch whatsoever. Got down early and trailed the majority of the game and never wavered, never flinched. Yep. They performed well in that environment. So maybe the environment doesn't have the impact that I think it is going to have, but that environment that I'm, I'm, hyping up has impacted several opponents uh, this season. I think back to the Texas game. I think of Auburn. I think of Missouri. Uh, it, it kind of flustered Kentucky there at the beginning of the game. I go back to last year. I think of the Arizona game and, and the multiple SEC games, Arkansas, uh, the home game against Kentucky. The, this this arena is capable of, of putting a chokehold on its opponents. And uh, we'll, we'll see if the Alabama team that played well at Auburn on Saturday shows up or or whether TBA is a different beast, but ultimately it's going to come down to this team uh, making more shots than it than it has been uh, of late. The the offense needs to look more like second half Missouri than it has at other times this season. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think the crowd, it, 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 if it has the, the extra benefit or the added benefit of bothering Alabama, that that's even better. But I think the primary point of it right now would be to give Tennessee juice when it needs it. Um, because that's just, hey, I mean, that's it, you might bother Alabama, you might not, but what you'll definitely do is give your team a lift uh, when it needs one because those guys are kind of going through. Think of, th- think of what's going through Vescovy's head right now. I mean, this is a guy who we've all kind of he's he's kind of been unwavering, you know. He he's he he kind of lived. He's a tough dude mentally, physically. He's made himself hard scrabble into a better defender. Um, this is a tough guy, man. This is a guy who's gone around the world as a young kid to play basketball. You know, he he treats this professionally, right? This is a tough kid. Um, but imagine what's going through his head right now after the past week, right? Like sometimes, uh, even Rick Barnes after the game against Mizzou said, "You know what? I, I I'm not going to kick these guys while they're down because." If I thought they needed that, I would do that. They they kind of need a hug right now, <laughs> and, and so you know that that's why I think the crowd. It's more about giving Tennessee juice than it is about giving Alabama problems. But um, the the formula for me, and the last last point I got is that I think the formula is the same that it is for Tennessee in most games. Uh, you play defense as hard as you can. You play defensively well enough to give yourself a chance, and then you go from there. If you do your job defensively, that's the foundation piece. Uh, and if you defend well enough to give yourself a chance, then you know you either win or you lose on offense. But if if that defense folds, uh, then the whole house of cards comes down. That's what I think. That's and and I, I think I think I think we're both sort of around the same page there. So we've gone a little bit over on time, but uh, we kind of needed to because we were a little bit overboard on the first segment. But it's 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 needed conversation that we needed to have. Uh, I apologize for my voice again, um, just with pneumonia and then COVID. It's just been one thing after the other, but we're here. And uh, uh, I was able to, I think, mute all the coughs throughout the episode by hitting the button, uh, which I was was pleasantly surprised about doing. And uh, Ben was the consummate pro that he always is. So uh, unless you got anything else, Ben, I think we're good to go. I'm good. I appreciate you. It'll be a fun game on Wednesday night. It'll be a fun trip to Rupp Arena on Saturday. It'll also be a fun weekend because Tennessee baseball gets going and uh, they'll surely entertain us as they typically uh, do, but we'll have plenty of coverage of everything, basketball and baseball going on this week at, at Go Vols 247. So I always appreciate the support and and those following along. And Wes, hope you feel better, buddy. Me too. And uh, we will have a baseball pod too later in the week. So just to give everyone a heads up on that, that's going to happen. So uh, we'll have more basketball and baseball stuff and all that. So uh, Ben will be here with me for that, and we will bring it to you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, buddy. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.